Let's take a look at that verb first of all. When me verbs were, were done in ancient Greek, in the, I mean in the older Greek, they generally were vowel stem. So in ditto me, you have da, and in tithe me, you have the, and in our one for tomorrow, histe me, you have sta with an alpha. Obviously, when you have that situation, you can put things right onto them, right? Like that. You can just put stuff right onto the stem. You don't need a connecting vowel as a buffer because the stem ends in a vowel. If the stem of the concept ended with a consonant, you couldn't do dyke me. So what they did is they put what is called an infix in the word. Not a prefix, which would be in a front, not a suffix, which is at the back, but an infix. And the infix was ni upsilon. This ni upsilon is the infix which allows the me and all the other kind of endings, like this ending right here, to be placed right onto a vowel. You got to place a me onto a vowel, or the endings, me, sigma, c. Those have got to be placed onto vowels. So dyke is the stem. Nu is the infix for the present, and me are the endings. Now, you can see the truth of what I'm talking about if you look at the next principal part. What is it? Dykeso. See, what happened to the knee? It went out. It's like the tick going off the front or the dick going off the front. Here, this goes out when you start the other principal parts, and what do you get? You put the sigma on there, and you get dykeso. See, that's what's happening there. So, with a form like dyknomy, you will see forms that look like this, which would be regular forms of me verbs. Dyknomy, dyknis, dyknisi. That would mean he showed. He shows. That's not third plural, it's third singular. Then you'd have dyknumen, dyknete, dyknuase. Now, subsequently, what happened is what I call the flammable inflammable principle. You know? So they started to make the verbs go more regular. So what happened? Instead of having dyknomy, you start also seeing the following alternative forms. Dyknio, dyknice, dyknii. See, now they've just made them into regular omega verbs. And then the future is dykso. But what is the point of this chapter is these would be readily identifiable and you just look it up in the dictionary, all right? But 
you do see the regular me verb pattern in the present of this particular verb still in the New Testament. All right, now, that's the introduction for talking about the first vocabulary verb, apollemi. Because apollemi is actually one of these. And here's what apollemi actually is. It's actually apolnimi, except when you have a nu and a lambda together, the nu always assimilates like sillego, sillambano. Um, uh, have we had another one? Uh, I know we had sillambano. Now, so look what I've got up on the board here now. Now look what I'm going to do. The ni assimilates and you get apolimi. Now once you know this, you realize that that's going to go off. See? That's going to go off. And sure enough, what you actually get for the forms, it's irregular. Go to page 367 to the principal parts. It's about 10 down, right in the middle of the page. Apollemi. And you can see what happens in the future. Hey, it's a liquid future. Apollemi, Apollo, or Apollumi in the middle. So, and then one more thing. I guess I never realized this when I learned Greek, I never realized this till I wrote the book. And that is, this apolemi is not apolemi, it is apolemi. And it's not apolemi. See? It's not apolemi, it's apolemi. That's really what the verb is. That explains the third principal part. Apolomain or apolesa. See, this right here is lengthening by augment. That's what's lengthening. So, what you have here with apolumi, I mean, you can just sit down and memorize the principal parts, that's fine. But I'm trying to explain why they go the way they go. The, lu, the lambda epsilon goes off because that's the nu infix. And the augmenting all happens on that omicron because it's apolnimi or apolnimi. Now, just take a look at page uh, 367 there to apolnimi, and you'll notice that. I actually put two lines for this verb. So it's right in the middle here. I indented the second one so you'd see that it's the same verb. The first one across is all active. The second one across is middle, except for the fourth principal part, which is strong and active, Apollola. Now, Bits, you're going to like this part right here. Notice in Apollola, 
what do we have for the reduplication? What is that? Attic internal reduplication. How exciting is this? Now, so you get here, all is your basic stem, and you get all, all with the attic internal reduplication. Now, can you imagine it? In one verb form, we have an infix, a liquid future, an attic internal reduplication. It makes you want to pee your pants, practically. <laughs> I mean, this is good. This, it's something like that. This is really good. I love this verb, actually. Now, take a look on page. Bits, you picked that up. That was nice. I was impressed. Uh, give, him the, give him the wings. Give him the wings. That was good. Give him the wings. Yep. Yeah, yeah, so put the wings down. That's it. Good. There we are. Nice. Nicely done. Now, the... Uh, uh, <clears throat> the first set of forms across the top, apolemi, apolo, apolesa, apololoka, those are transitive. Those are transitive. The middle forms are intransitive. Apolemi, apolumai, apolomain, that's a strong, and apolola, that's also strong, no kappa. Those are intransitive. So you might want to put that on your chart. The top set of forms, the apolemi forms, are transitive. The second line, apolemi, apolumai, apolomain, apolola, those are intransitive. So what basically is going to be the meaning? Now go back to your um, chapter here. And the meaning is basically going to be, if it is transitive, destroy or lose. Now those are two different, destroy or lose are two different semantic fields. One is blasting apart, and the other is like, oh my gosh, I've lost it. And then in the intransitive, it's, being destroyed or being lost. You perish. You perish intransitive or you're lost. So those without Christ will perish is uh, apoluntai, future, middle. Or the thing about am being lost or am lost, where would you find this? How about this passage? Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Mm -hmm. Perfect tense. The people who got lost and were now in a lost condition. And those are the two, let me put this form up here. The lost are two, uh, well, uh, I'll do accusative. He came to seek zetesai, to seek tus apolotas. That this is a perfect participle, and this is the equivalent of 
lelicotas. See, there's, there's our form leo. But it's strong. It does not have that kappa in there. Apollolotas would be the lost. Jesus, the, the lost people, I mean. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. So this is chasing the th horse around the barn quite a bit here. But, uh, uh, but this verb, actually, this verb exemplifies the way I handled the vocabulary in this book. I made a few mistakes on that, like I forgot onama means name and stuff like that, okay? But uh, this, what I did is I basically sat with the concordance and paged through and looked at the usage of every single Greek word in the New Testament. And I considered, and this is the important point, I considered not, not just frequency, but where they occurred and how important they were. Thus, if a word occurs 12 times in the Gospels, and it's in blockbuster sayings of our Lord, like he came to seek and to save the lost, he would lose his life, will save it. That's way more important than an equal number in the book of Revelation that has to do with a kind of fire that comes down from heaven. You know, so basically, uh, uh, this, this word does not occur all that much, but it occurs in famous passages, passages that you know and will be reading in the lectionary, and ones that are very prominent. Hey, Dr. Bell, when do you... Hey, Kev, yeah? When did you, like, get so excited about Greek? Like, when you first started taking it? Yes, when I first started taking it. I had a teacher who was very enthusiastic, uh, like I'm enthusiastic about it, and... Um, I mean, it's, it's neat. I think it's a neat language. It's much better than Hebrew, which is more like a cat with concrete paws. But um, uh, who is missing, of course? So, um, uh, but no, no, I, I think it's, it's uh, good. Now, I'll tell you what. I could never get this excited about Latin. To me, Latin is like uh, sort of concrete blocks. You know, whereas Greek is like elegant carving. It, and, and it's different in the civilizations. I mean, Greek was the learned society, and the Romans invented what? Cement. That tells you a lot. <laughs> okay. They were engineers. Yeah, they were engineers. Right. And the Greeks were the architects. That's, that's, the, that's basically the difference. What? Architects, why not? Kind of insulting. insulting? Why is that insulting? It's the what? <laughs> well, I'm sure they don't. I'm sure they don't. Uh, that's right. Okay, now, I want you to notice that there are two vocabulary words here that pertain to the last chapter as well, and that's the top one on 237, diatithomai, which is a deponent, a middle deponent, to make a covenant. And then, uh, third from the bottom, paratithemi, I set before. But what's really prominent is the middle meaning, I entrust. So if, if, like Paul says to Timothy, entrust this teaching to faithful men. That's paratithemi. Um, now, I want to talk just a little bit about 
diatithomai at the top of the page. To make a covenant with. This is an interesting uh, word in terms of how construction goes after it. That is to say, there is a cognate that goes along with it, uh, a noun that's similar to the verb. We don't do this a lot in English, but we do it like this. He sang a song. Well, song is a cognate of sing. Now, see, we don't say he spoke a speech. Uh, but we will say he sang a song. She danced a dance. You could say that. Now, what you actually say then for making a covenant is you covenant a covenant with somebody. So the next word, diatheke, is covenant or testament. And so notice what I say up there at the top verb plus dative or with plus plus the accusative. So let me move over to this board and show you how that's going to look. You would say, God covenanted the etheta, because I've got to use middle for this. He covenanted a covenant Diathekane. And now you have two choices. Uh, now, what I want to say here is with the people. All right? I can either do to lao or I can say pros ton laon. I got two choices there. So that's how that's going to look. You're going to get a cognate accusative, and then you're going to have the, uh, you know, may, maybe, the, maybe the best way to say this is, or the way to get around to that with business, you can take those off, I know they, they're okay now, all right, good. Uh, you earned them, you absolutely earned them, that's right. And I notice after two guys have them on, nobody's asking any good questions. Uh, now, what, what is important here is, here's what you don't do. You don't do this. Sin to lao. Or you don't do this. Meta to lao. See? You do not do that even though we say with. So it's more like, like this. You're placing a covenant in front of them. Or you're placing the covenant by them or something like that. But that, that construction that I put up there would mean God made a covenant with the people. That's how you would translate. Even though it looks like it's saying God covenanted a covenant to the people. Okay, and then um, I finally wanted to talk about, uh, no, there are two things I want to talk about in the vocab. First, kaimai, the fourth or fifth last word, kaimai, I lie or recline. There are a number of verbs like this. 
that are conjugated like me verbs. And what do I mean by that when I say conjugated like me verbs? Well, what I mean is <laughs> there are no connecting vowels. You just put the thing onto the stem. Just like you had this, just like you have tithomai, tithosai, tithotai, or you have didomai, didosai, didotai. So you have kaimai, kaisai, kaitai. See, and that would mean he lies. He lies there sick upon the bed. So you just put the endings, no contractions, right onto the stem. So that wouldn't be like when Jesus reclined the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. He reclined, for reclining at table. Sometimes they use it with ana, to kind of sit up, ana kaimai, but that's exactly the word. Very good. And then we have two words for new, kainos and neos. And I just want to explain those. Kainos and neos. Neos is new in the sense of young and fresh like this. There are new leaves on the trees. That is to say, young, fresh, new shoots coming on. Kainos is new in the sense of different. So, if you say something like, um, eh, we're going to try a new game this afternoon. This doesn't mean if you played baseball, you're going to have another baseball game. You're going to play ultimate frisbee or something. So new meaning different. So neos is in general new like a fresh updated one, and kainos is new in the sense of different. So basically, um, if you had updated technology, it's neos. If all of a sudden there was a brand new, different technology, then it's kainos. A hybrid car would be a new and different car, as opposed to just the next year of the Buick. 